Hey everyone, it's Norm Ferrar, aka The Beard Guy here, and welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the Amazon FBA and e-commerce podcast. Okay, today we're going to be talking about expanding your Amazon brand into Latin America. So what does that e-commerce, uh, what does that look like? What does the landscape look like in Latin America? What are the largest e-commerce marketplaces uh, in, um, in Latin America? And what are the challenges for foreign brands getting into Latin America? All right. This is Lunch with Norm, the Amazon FBA and e-commerce podcast. Lunch with Norm. Lunch with Norm. Lunch with All right. Like I said, today we're talking about expanding your Amazon brand into Latin America. Our guest is the entrepreneur and expert in e-commerce and digital marketing. He co-founded AMZ Advisors with his two partners in 2015, which has generated over half a billion dollars in sales for its clients. Uh, he and his AMZ team also operate AMZ courses, educating Amazon sellers on how to maximize their, maximize their sales on the platform and helps brands expand into Latin America. So today's guest, first time guest is Mike Begg. Anyways, before we get to Mike, let's go to a sponsor. If you're selling on Amazon in 2022, you know how important it is to stand out from your competition. Let Hona Worldwide lend a helping hand with your product innovation to outcompete your competition online. That's right, sit back, relax, and enjoy the success of your newly innovative product while Hono handles all the work. Visit honoworldwide.com for more information. That's honu, H-O-N-U, worldwide.com, or email savings at honuworldwide.com. All right, we're back. Where is Mr. Kelsey? It's me. Hello, hello. Welcome everyone to the show. It's going to be a good one. Uh, I want to say a quick shout out to Claudia, Ola from Calgary, my Beardo amigos. Yes, it's good to see everyone. Good to see the Beard Nation joining us. Uh, yeah, this is a live podcast. So if you have questions, comments, opinions, let us know in the comment section. We also have a great giveaway today as well um, that we'll be announcing a little bit later on in the show. And uh, before we get started, of course, we want to smash those like buttons. Give us the thumbs up on social media, um, whether you're watching from Facebook or YouTube. Uh, make sure you subscribe or follow us uh, so you don't miss an episode. And uh, join our Facebook group, Lunch with Norm, Amazon FBA, and E-Commerce Collective. Uh, you can find the links in the descriptions of the episode you're watching. Also, uh, we're doing a special webinar tomorrow actually at 3 p.m. Eastern time, and that's gonna be with Vance Lee. So if you're looking to sell 50 to $200,000 of pre-orders before spending $1 on inventory, uh, you can check out this free webinar that I'm gonna be posting in the comment section shortly. So uh, we've got, I think, we're, I'm pretty excited about this webinar. It's gonna be good. It's uh, one of the first ones we're doing and we're hoping to do more of these. Um, but yeah, good to see Christine as well. Hope your week is going well as, as well, Christine and uh, enjoying your your prizes from the wheel of kelsey and uh, i think we're we're good to go okay so uh i have to apologize i'm the one running late not kelsey um i got caught up leo uh, scovio was doing a really incredible um uh presentation 
And I just got caught up in it. It was something that I had no clue. Like he was just dropping nuggets. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm at the BDSS because, you know, just so far the presentations have been really awesome. And I got to give a shout out to Sellers Funding because look what they're giving away. Hey, very Cigar nice. Cutters. Perfect. It's like Cigar they knew, cutters. Knew you. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, they're my new BFFs or whatever. Yeah, that's what it is, right, Kels? Yeah, you nailed it. Best friends forever. That's it. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that's probably it. Um, I was talking to Kevin also about the crowdfunding, and he thought, you know, that that event is going to be fantastic as well. So it was good to hear. It's not just us that think, that's thinking it's uh, going to be awesome. but And this isn't anything new, by the way. Um, it's been around for quite some time, but it's just going to give our community um, just another option to do and fund, you know, you need cash flow. And yep. this is just a great way to get cash flow. All right. So I'm going to be dropping that link right now. Um, you can join it. You can sign up. It's just a quick Google form right here. And uh, that's that. So um, I think that's about it for me. And we can get started. All right. So if you have any questions, just throw them over into the comment section and sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee. Enjoy the show and welcome Mike. Hey, Norm. How are you doing? Good. We really didn't have a chance to talk before the podcast. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, oh man. Talk about uh, – I just got – Kelsey was actually texting me going, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I had a chance to catch up with Kelsey, but it's good seeing you again after Evo Latam. So I'm glad I'm able to be here today speaking with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm glad we've, we've got a great topic today, and that's going back to Mexico. So, uh, you know, Latin America. Uh, people ask me whether I'm doing anything in Mexico. And I have to tell you, I don't know if you remember the guy that was there for the packaging. Uh, which one? There, there was only, I believe there was only one guy that was there for packaging. He was outstanding. And I've given him a couple of quotes. I haven't used them yet, but his pricing and his quotes have been fantastic. So, and then um, there was a lady just down where the lunch was served um, uh -huh. selling soaps. Yep. And uh, starting, I'm looking at her business as well to do some business with her. But um, anyways, it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah, there were some great providers there, uh, lots of manufacturers, lots of opportunities for people. So it's uh, really interesting to talk with everyone. I don't think I had a chance to speak with the packaging guy, but um, a lot of other people I, I was speaking with. Yeah, there, there was 80 people there, and I, I just thought there were going to be a lot of, uh, you know, products. <laughs> and <laughs> I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what to expect. Like, I thought, okay, we're going to see some ceramics. But when I started seeing some of these other products and even there was another packaging company there, but it was more um, um, laser cut uh, EVA foams to put within your packaging. Yeah. So very, very good. But um, anyways, what are your thoughts right now in Latin America, like dealing with, uh, with Latin America? I mean, I think Latin America presents a massive opportunity. I'm a seller myself. I work with a lot of other brands that are selling uh, in the U.S. and in Latin America and other markets. And the common thread between everyone has been challenges over the past two years, dealing with manufacturing in China and mm -hmm. dealing with logistics, uh, getting products from China. 
And that's something I personally haven't dealt with. I mean, I, I do my manufacturing here in Mexico. I work with a lot of providers here in Mexico. And just the proximity to the U.S. makes it extremely attractive, uh, I think, for myself and for other sellers. Um, the costs are competitive in some categories. I mean, electronics, you're not going to be China no matter where, no matter where in the world you're manufacturing. But I mean, I think categories, like you said, glass, ceramics, uh, products like that, there's a lot of good opportunities here in Mexico specifically, and even beyond in other parts of uh, Latin America. But when it comes to the actual selling side, I mean, I think Latin America is the next big market in general. I mean, obviously it's more than one country, but uh, when we look at how fast Brazil is growing, how fast Mexico is growing compared to a lot of the other markets in the world, uh, it makes a ton of sense to start focusing on those marketplaces now. Yeah, so why don't we uh, take a look at what does the marketplace look like right now for e-commerce? Yeah, so when we talk about uh, Latin America, the two biggest ones are Brazil and Mexico. And Brazil is by far the largest. It's about 57% of the total e-commerce sales in Latin America. Mexico is about 20%. So it's uh, significantly smaller, but it's still much larger compared to some of the other marketplaces. Uh, I think Colombia is in third place at about 7%. Um, so, you know, that's Mexico still three times the size of Colombia, which is good to know. Uh, total e-commerce sales in Latin America is uh, given a range anywhere from about uh, 200 to $250 billion a year, which is pretty significant, especially when we think about Brazil having more than 50% of that. So you're looking at, you know, 100 million, 100 million, 100 billion plus uh, per year in e-commerce sales. So the market is very large and it's growing very fast. Uh, Brazil's the fastest, uh, second fastest growing marketplace in the world. Mexico is the fifth uh, fastest uh, e-commerce market in the world. And um, when we look at some of the largest markets as, of sales as a percentage of retail sales, Brazil and Mexico are about 11 and 12. So they're just outside the top 10. And I think as uh, you know, people continue to move into e-commerce in uh, Latin America, more opportunities exist for products, those sales numbers are going to keep increasing. We're probably going to see a larger percentage of total retail sales uh, be attributed to, to e-commerce in Latin America. Wow. What? Just curious, the number one market, the fastest growing, is that Australia? The fastest growing, I think, in 2021 was India. I think India. that was number one. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Mexico is number, number five. Brazil is number two. Yeah. Right. Okay. Got it. Uh, what are... Um, what are the best categories? Like, if if you had to pick top five categories, what would it be? So it's it's tough to say exactly uh, because it's different in every country. I, I think there's one uh, or two categories that are pretty consistent across every country. Uh, electronics is really good, uh, and uh, supplements and food products are really good as well. There's a lot of demand for that type of stuff in those countries. Uh, ele electronics specifically because uh, Latin America in general and Latin American countries are very protectionist. So they actually have a lot of policies in place that are preventing uh, units or orders from China to be shipped directly into their country. So that act can actually make foreign electronic brands more competitive in Latin America compared to Chinese brands. Um, so I think that's there's a lot of demand for electronic goods because of this ban on China. And there's a lot of opportunities for foreign electronic brands outside of China to sell in, in uh, Latin America in general. Okay, so that's electronics. Yeah, I would say that. Supplements is also a big one. Uh, when we talk about the supplement market in the U.S., it's massive. Uh, most most uh, supplement brands focus on the U.S. 
because uh, you know, the high, the lifetime customer value of uh, of a consumer is higher in the U.S. They have more consume uh, more dollars to spend on supplements, and you know they're more likely to get uh, you know purchasing the same product over and over. But there is a lot of demand for these products in Latin America as well. Um, it's just that they don't have access to the same same amount of brands. You know, household name brands that we might have in the U.S. or or in Canada for that matter. Um, they're not here. They're not in Mexico. They're not in Brazil. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but there's a lot of demand for those products, which I think is the more important thing. Right. Uh, so after supplements, what do you think? Is it, would it be pet products? Would it be beauty products? Pet, uh, yeah, pet products are good as well. Uh, and once we get past that, we're really starting to look more specific on, uh, country by country basis. Like I said, those were two of the, the broader ones that most of the marketplaces shared in general. When we start getting, uh, you know, past those, it's definitely specific uh, based on countries. I, I know pet products do well in Mexico. They do well in Brazil. Um, I know food products do well in Mexico and Brazil. Um, so those types of products you know, are, are performing really well in those marketplaces. When you're, when you're looking at the, uh, let's say, the Brazil market, Mexico market, and you wanted to invest... Yeah, in an average brand. So bringing your brand over, I don't know what it'll be. Let's just take an average brand. What kind of expected sales could you get? Like what type of bump could you get in your sales based off of your .com? Yeah. So, I mean, the market's smaller than the U.S. That's that's a given. But, uh, for example, we brought some uh, pet supply brands that were doing – you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a month in the U.S. and they're already seeing within three to four months uh, about fifty to sixty thousand dollars in sales in Brazil specifically, and wow. in Mexico about another ten to fifteen thousand dollars in sales. So again, it's really category specific, but those categories that uh, there's a lot of demand for, those brands can come in and start seeing a pretty big pickup right away. Um, like for example, another brand that's uh, one of the larger supplement brands in the U.S. Goalie, uh, Goalie apple cider vinegar sure. uh, gummies. Uh, they're also available in Mexico, Brazil, and, you know, they do a significant amount of sales volume. It's, you know, in the U S I think they're doing a couple million a month in Mexico. It's not that high, but it's still, uh, it might be a hundred thousand or more a month in sales that they're doing. So, uh, there's some, some brands that can come in and see a pretty significant boost in their sales just from Amazon, but there's also other marketplaces out there that a lot of these brands can get into and that a lot of customers in uh, Latin America are shopping on outside of Amazon. So I, I know in Canada, uh, if you try to market into the Toronto area and then take the same marketing concept and bring it over to Montreal, uh, it's like black and white. You know, Montreal's just got a whole different vibe to it. Yeah. Now, if you do that, if you've got this U.S.-based you know, product and you're bringing it to Mexico and you're bringing it over to Brazil, do you have to rebrand or re repackage other than language of course yeah i mean the repackaging there's going to be uh, essentially fda requirements like the product has to be in the native language so spanish or brazil yep. um but i would or portuguese excuse me portuguese yeah um but I, what i would say is that uh you don't really need to change your branding all that much um there's especially between mexico and the us the culture of consumerism is pretty similar uh, i mean i think there are 60 million uh, Spanish speakers in the U.S. and about 40% of those are Mexican. Uh, and a lot of them, you know, come to the U.S., come back to Mexico. So Mexico and the U.S. have seen a lot of assimilation when it comes to shopping culture. And I think 
because of that, you really don't need to change much between those two. Uh, Brazil, I would also argue that you really don't need to change much either. When we look at uh, Brazilian consumers, about 41% of uh, Brazilian consumers would prefer to buy a foreign product than a domestic made product. So there's a preference, uh, it's almost 50-50, between buying foreign goods uh, in, in, uh, from Brazil. So, I mean, a lot of that comes with the foreign brand, the foreign branding, the foreign marketing strategies, uh, the brand recognition a lot of times uh, of how they're known around the world. Um, so I think in a way you really don't need to change your branding all that much, uh, to get into the marketplaces. It's more of, you know, the legal stuff, like how can I deal with, uh, you know, excuse me, nutritional facts for each marketplace. How do I deal with the language differences, uh, and, and things like that. Those are the main uh, hurdles you're going to, you're going to deal with when it comes to your product uh, and actually selling in the marketplaces. Yeah, I guess, you know, there's a, a bunch of little things that you have to look at and, I've also heard it uh, said that, oh, well, they're poor countries, so nobody's going to buy my product. Well, there's a lot of people in Mexico City, <laughs> yeah. and there's a lot of people that make a lot more money than me in Mexico City. So they'd be easy, you know, if they want to buy a $10 bar of soap, go for it. You know, it's not going to be a big deal. Uh, but there are different compliance issues, right? That you have to check out depending on what country you go into. Exactly. And that's one of the biggest hurdles uh, of Latin America is number one, dealing with the compliance issues. Number two, just dealing with bureaucracy in Latin America in general. Um, for example, uh, US, we have the FDA for supplements and food products. Uh, in Mexico, it's called Cope Pris. And in uh, Brazil, it's called uh, Anvisa, I believe. Um, each of them have their own requirements. You got to make sure that your products are registered uh, before bringing the product into the country. Now, one of the ways that a lot of people have been getting around some of these requirements is using programs like North American Remote Fulfillment, NARF. Yeah. And uh, NARF actually isn't legal. Um, you can't legally ship a product from the US to Mexico, a supplement product that's not registered with Copa Priest in Mexico. Uh, Customs doesn't always catch it but it's not actually legal to do that. And it's a loophole that a lot of sellers are using um, that you know, maybe it won't get closed, maybe it will, um, but it's definitely not following the, the correct compliance that you need to for your brand in uh, Mexico and in Brazil as well. So if you, just in case people don't know, any of the listeners don't know what NARF is, can you just explain that? Sure, so uh, NARF is North American Remote Fulfillment. And that gives you the option to ship FDA inventory uh, to other countries or other marketplaces in North America. So for example, uh, let's say you have your inventory in the US and you wanna sell in both Canada, Mexico, and Brazil. You can set up NARF to uh, have your listings live in those marketplaces. And if you get an order in those marketplaces, Amazon will just fulfill it from your US inventory. Uh, one of the challenges with that, especially from the consumer side, is uh well not so much with canada but with mexico at least in brazil is that the end consumer is going to have to pay additional taxes so um you know they have eva they have import tariffs they have uh in brazil it's called ipi um, there's a lot of other taxes that come in place here that are going to be pay, uh, passed on to the end consumer through the NARC program that the sellers aren't always aware of and it actually makes their products more uh, expensive and it, in my opinion it can uh, hurt the customer experience yeah. Um, but essentially, that's how the NARF program works. Uh, you can fulfill inventory from the U.S. to any other uh, Amazon marketplace in uh, North America and even South America at this point. Okay. I'm 
just curious if uh, any of the listeners are uh, selling their products in Mexico or in Brazil. I know there's a couple of uh, uh, Amazon. Uh, Amazon's going to be opening up the doors in Colombia very shortly, and I believe it's Chile. Chile, yeah, 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 soon. But if anybody is selling over there, what are your experiences? Just let us know. And just kind of curious, uh, are you are you planning on selling in the Latin American countries in the next year? Um, we're already at the bottom of the hour because I was so late. But <laughs> anyways, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk a, a little bit about the giveaway. You've got a great giveaway today. Why don't you explain what it is? Yeah. So. Um... Like I said, my, my company is AMZ Advisors. Uh, what we do is we help brands navigate a lot of these issues of getting into Latin America. So what we're going to uh, be giving away is free consultations on how to deal with uh, getting your products into Mexico, figuring out, or in Brazil, figuring out the best ways to, to deal with a lot of the logistical hurdles and uh, the legal issues that you might run into. So we can really give you uh, an in-depth view on what it will look like to take your brand into some of these marketplaces. Okay. So Kelsey, where are you? Yes. I might yes. as well already give it to Christine. <laughs> might as well. She's we, been on we, a roll. We, yeah, we can run the wheel of Kelsey, but we already know it's Christine. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, so uh, what's going to be the mystery word today? All right. We'll keep it nice and easy. Uh, hashtag Mexico. So if you're new to the podcast, uh, this is how you enter. Um, you have to write hashtag wheel of Kelsey and hashtag Mexico uh, in the comment section. So you can see uh, Chad already doing that. Um, so you'll be entered. Uh, if you tag two people, that's if you put the little at sign and you put two people's names down, you get an, an extra entry. So this is for a uh, consultation with Mike uh, for your brand fit, your brand market fit in Latin America. So great prize. Uh, we're going to be announcing it at the end of the at the end of the episode. Uh, we're going to spin our wheel, and uh, yeah, we'll see who the winner is. And uh, I think that's it. Uh, Christine, you can you can enter. <laughs> you you or Richard. So uh, anyways, it's it, it would be good just to get a consult. Uh, just to understand the marketplace. So uh, very valuable. Uh, oh, hey, you got Mirror in there. Perfect. Um, all right, so let's run a sponsor uh, or a commercial, uh, our next commercial. A big thank you to our sponsor, Post Purchase Pro, the only complete A to Z done for you real email and text marketing service built specifically for Amazon sellers. My friends Sean Hart and Seth Stevens co-founded Post Purchase Pro after launching over a thousand successful private labeled products, growing 53 brands, and get this, exiting 17 businesses. Post Purchase Pro creates all of your digital assets 100% for you from marketing inserts, complete sales funnels, email follow-up sequences, and weekly email promotions. They manage and optimize everything for you to drive more sales, get higher ranking, and receive more reviews on Amazon. So check out Post Purchase Pro now to see if you too will see enormous growth like their nearly 500 clients worldwide. That's Post Purchase Pro at postpurchasepro.com slash lunch. Okay, so one of the other things I was wondering, uh, when you're on Amazon, uh, right now, what I try to do is I try to put, I try to drive, drive traffic over to my website. 
So I'll have the insert, I'll have it, you know, drive it over. And then I'll also try to do email campaigns and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. If I'm repackaging and I'm sending over the product in a Spanish or Portuguese box, I redo the inserts. Do you recommend redoing a website? Um, I think it depends on, on what you're using for your website. I mean, for, for myself, I use Shopify. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the translation functions are there. Um, I would say that it's probably good setting up the landing page in the local language. I think if they want to purchase the product from the website after that, um, you know, they can more or less navigate their way to figure out uh, what they need to do with the translate function on. But yeah, I would say having a landing page within your website for each uh, specific to each marketplace, specific to the language uh, that you're going to be targeting consumers in. I think that's a really good idea. Um, and yeah, it's probably something I would be doing. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, don't go to Google Translate. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's another, that's another good point. Uh, translations uh, from... I mean, they're, they're different. Uh, Brazilian Portuguese is very different than Portuguese, uh, European Portuguese. Latin American Spanish is very different than uh, Spanish in Spain. So, and even Latin American Spanish is different between uh, Mexico and Colombia or Mexico and Chile or Mexico and Argentina, for example. So you really need to have local translators to, to be doing uh, you know, your copywriting for you in each of those marketplaces. Yeah, it, it's so important. And the other thing too, you start thinking about domain names. I almost made the mistake, I guess. Uh, well, I did make the mistake in Japan. Uh, I made a really bad mistake in Japan. So I went and I, I bought my name, you know, it has soap in it. And uh, I guess it was the wrong name, right? <laughs> yeah. So what, uh, what soap means, at least the version I made in Japanese was brothel. So all of a sudden, my big, tons of traffic. It was a great, great thing. But guys looking for a brothel uh, ended up at my, you know, my, my product page. And I got tons of traffic that way. So you know, if you if you can make that kind of mistake, it's it's not that bad all the time. But um, yeah, yeah. So, but be careful what, when you're doing this. Google Translate, or if you think you've got the right one, you know, the right name, I made that huge mistake. And uh, uh, luckily, it turned out okay, but it's very easy to do. Yeah. And, and that's for anything. If you're writing a press release, or if you're, you know, doing any content, make sure it's it's proofed. Like, translation companies, like Yana's been on here a, a bunch, they're not that expensive, but they are expensive if you mess it up yeah, you know you exactly can, you come off looking really stupid and honestly like com companies of any size make that mistake i mean the classic example is chevy uh with the chevy oh. nova in latin america nova means it doesn't work it doesn't go uh so that's another classic example it really doesn't matter how big or small your business is if you're not uh very thorough and you're not really checking everything to make sure it's correct you can run into mistakes like that so that happened with the Kona, the Kona car, the yeah. the uh, Hyundai Kona. <laughs> yeah, I haven't yeah. heard about that one. Anyway, same sort of thing. It it meant something completely different, so they had to change it. I forget which country it was to the Kauai instead of the Kona. Okay. But uh, it's and that just happened, by the way. So huge companies can make that that problem. So let's talk about different platforms. You got an Amazon platform. Are there any other platforms that you'd be looking at? Yes. So I think in Latin America, Amazon is growing. It's not necessarily the biggest market, uh, the biggest platform in each marketplace, though. 
Uh, so for here, example, in Mexico, uh, where I am, um, about 50%, it's about, it's split about 50-50 between uh, Mercado Libre and Amazon uh, for the market size. Amazon may have just taken them over a little, by a little bit this past year, um, but there's a lot of consumers on Mercado Libre and the way that the Mercado Libre platform works is completely different than the way that the Amazon platform works. So it's a little bit uh, of a learning curve for sellers that are gonna start managing these platforms by themselves and what the differences are and how to get uh, across them. In uh, Brazil, for example, uh, Amazon's actually the third largest platform. Uh, there's two platforms ahead of it. One of them is uh, Mercado Livre, which is Mercado Livre in Portuguese. Yep. And uh, Lojas Americanas is the second largest marketplace. And that's essentially uh, a department store uh, that you know moved into e-commerce and they've actually been done a good job at dominating a lot of uh, e-commerce sales in um, in Brazil, but there's even other platforms where a lot of uh, sales are occurring. Uh, Casa Bahia is another one. So Brazil is really a country where there's multiple marketplaces that you need to be focused on outside of just Amazon to really be able to benefit from uh, having your brand there. Now, do you see a, a lot of mistakes or what are the common mistakes? Let's put it that way. Uh, the common mistakes, I mean, one of them we already talked about was obviously language differences. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, another mistake in my opinion is you know the way i always sell the way i always uh, focus on helping my clients sell is focusing on the customer experience first because if your customer doesn't have a good experience it's going to lead to bad reviews uh you know it's going to lead if you have a cpg good uh where you're trying to acquire new customers it's going to lead to customer churn faster than anything and for latin america i think the narf program is actually one of the uh worst customer experiences you can have i kind of said that before but i didn't really explain why and the reason why is because of customs in these countries. So in Mexico, uh, depending on the product, your product can get, your order can get held up in customs. If you're shipping, this is a good one. If you're shipping with US uh, Postal Service in the US to Mexico, uh, it could take months for your product to arrive. What? So, oh yeah, US Postal Service, you can't use because USPS uh, works with Mexico's local, uh, Mexico's national uh, mail provider. It's called uh, Correos Mexico. And Correos Mexico is terrible. <laughs> they literally won't deliver anything. So things get lost. Uh, the other big issue is that tracking IDs don't, don't switch uh, if you're using USPS. So uh, coming over from the US to Mexico, your tracking ID won't be scanned in Mexico. So you have no update on where the product is. And when you think about all these challenges, it, it's the customer being like, well, I bought this. You know, Where is it? I paid for it. It hasn't gotten here. Uh, Brazil, same challenge. I mean, it can take up to three weeks for a product to, uh, to clear customs in Brazil. So if you're shipping from outside of the country into those marketplaces, you could have customers that are canceling orders with a product already in route, uh, asking for refund, refunds before the product has arrived. So not only do you run the risk of losing the inventory, uh, lo losing the unit that you sent, but also having to pay the customer back <laughs> their money for what they paid. So you're out twice. Uh, and that's one of the biggest challenges. And I think one of the worst things about the NARF program is it doesn't really consider that. I mean, it makes it easy for, uh, brands from the US and, and from Canada to sell into these marketplaces. But it's really just helping Amazon because they're making the, the FBA fees, they're making the referral fees. It's not really thinking what the end consumer is doing. It's not really thinking of the best option for the actual sellers either. Okay, sorry about that. I had something in my throat. <laughs> it's all good. I hope you're okay. Oh yeah, I'm fine now. I'll start coughing again. Okay, <laughs> uh, so we've talked about that. I, for any of the listeners, you know, we've got Mike here 
if you are interested or if you have any questions about moving into the Latin American market, please let us know. Um, you know, we've, I see that there's two questions there. If we can get a couple more in, that would be fantastic. Uh, okay, so let's see. I, I guess uh, another thing I was thinking about for your service, mm -hmm. you're talking about your clients. Are you helping them get onto these other platforms as well? Yes, we're helping them with Mercado Libre in yeah. uh, Mexico, and we're going to be helping them with uh, Lojos Americanas and Mercado Libre in Brazil. Uh, that is a little bit delayed, mainly because of some other bureaucratic issues uh, yeah. dealing in Brazil. Um, yeah. When we talk about, this is another thing uh, just to mention quickly, when we talk about setting up a business in the US, it's extremely easy. It's much more difficult here in Mexico and even more difficult in Brazil. Uh, you know, you can get a business, a bank account, everything in the US and maybe, you know, two to three weeks, have everything set up. Mexico uh, takes about four to five months. Uh, Brazil can take 12 to 18 months to get a business set up there. So uh, if you're gonna go that route and go with a, a local subsidiary, uh, just be just be ready that you're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of pain, a lot of headaches from the from the regulators uh, when you're going through the entire business setup. I mean, even getting a bank account uh, can be a significant headache. You're talking strictly Brazil, right? Uh, a bank account in Mexico is also a pain, but Brazil it can take up to 12 to 18 months to get a business. Uh, right here, as a foreigner in Mexico, it took me about four to five months. Wow! Wow! And what about trademarks? Do you, do you need to trademark in Latin America to protect yourself? It's a good idea. Um, uh, there definitely is a, a big, uh, big culture of uh, knockoff products in Latin America, probably not as big as what we see in China. Yeah. Um, and it's also, but it's more specific towards uh, it, it typically like sports memorabilia or sports teams or sporting goods and things like that. I haven't seen it as much with actual physical products or other physical brands. Uh, apparel, I guess you see it with apparel in general. I guess that's what I'm talking about with sports stuff. Uh, you'll see knockoff Louis Vuitton, knockoff uh, Gucci, like goods like that. Um, but for the average seller, I, I don't think it's a, as big of an issue. Um, and I don't think it's something you really need to worry about too much. The US uh, PTO, uh, trademark should work for brand registry in those marketplaces as well. So it shouldn't cause you any issues. I just like the idea that even Amazon, they're expanding out. And when you see that, okay, they're in Brazil, they're uh, in Mexico right now, they must, must be doing, you know, a pretty good job if they're willing to invest in now Chile and uh, Colombia. I think those will be really great markets too, for especially beauty. Um, beauty in Colombia, I, I think that'll be a huge market. Pets in Colombia, I think will be a big market. Yep. Hey, these these are things that are just, you know, extra dollars in your jeans. Um, if you can, if you can do it yourself, great. Uh, for me, and I don't touch it. So like, I, I am very unbiased about this. But when it comes to having somebody do it for me, I would have somebody do it for you that somebody that already like your agency that yeah. already knows the ins and outs. Uh, everybody listening, I guarantee, even near the expert of everything, uh, I guarantee we all had to go through paying our Amazon tax. And I don't know, maybe you can clarify this, but there's definitely areas that if you don't know the ins and outs, uh, 
you can get messed up at. And I don't know if there's anything in particular. We know about the problems. Of set. You know what? I'm playing with this stupid cigar cutter. <laughs> uh, it's like a fidget spinner, you know? Don't, don't lose a finger. It's, it's my fidget spin, spinner. Um, but, but anyways, there's a lot of areas within the infrastructure uh, and also just the actual setup, the cultural differences. We got to get into that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, if we go with an agency, they can take that on and help you out. So my question is, how do you find the right agency? What questions would you ask that agency? Uh, oof, that's, a, that's a tough one. I think there's a lot of different questions you could really be asking there. And, and uh, I mean, it starts with just some of the compliance issues. If they don't really understand the, the logistical challenges of each marketplace, mm-hmm. uh, they can't give you clear answers on you know, how FBA compares to FBM, um, how uh, import challenges for my product from the U.S. to Mexico, from the U- uh, U.S. to Brazil, China to South America, China to Latin America, wherever. If they can't give you clear answers on that, they probably don't have a good enough understanding of what that actually is happening in the marketplace. Um, so those are probably the first things that I would be looking for. Um, when it comes to advertising and marketing the products, it's really not that different between you know Amazon U.S., Amazon Mexico, Amazon Brazil. I mean, the functionality is the same. You have access to different advertising tools. Uh, which is probably the only main difference. But if they don't have experience dealing with some of the other marketplaces like Mercado Libre, uh, Lojas Americanas, uh, Casa Bahia in Brazil and in in, uh, Mexico, you're missing out on a good size of the market. Like I said, I mean, Amazon in Brazil is the third or fourth largest. I think they only have 17% of e-commerce sales. Uh, Mercado Libre has something like 60% of e-commerce sales in Brazil. In uh, Mexico, it's, it's closer split, even even. Um, but still you're missing out on at least half of the market if you don't know how to do Mercado Libre. So I would ask them uh, what their familiarity is with the other platforms, uh, how the other platforms work. Um, and yeah, I think those are probably the questions that would really help you narrow out uh, who's the right fit for you and who's not. Okay, very good. Uh, Kelsey, I see that we have five questions. Yeah, some of them we've touched on before, okay. so we can just briefly go through them. Um, so from Christine's question, I heard it was difficult to start a business in Brazil. Is that true? Yes, <laughs> it's very difficult. Um, so a couple of the things you need is uh, you need a local business partner in Brazil. Um, and there's a variety of ways you can achieve that. There's law firms you can work with. Um, but for me, it's always uh, the question I always have looking at those situations is who am I getting into business with? What's their reputation? Do they have any other potential issues in the, in in uh, Brazil or in Mexico for this, uh, whatever the case is? Um, like in the U.S., we wouldn't. I mean, I know I wouldn't. Uh, I don't know about you, Norm. I wouldn't start a business with someone I don't really know um, because I become liable for a lot of their their responsibilities, some of the other things. I don't know the Brazilian legal system, and you know, I don't know what I'm responsible for for their mistakes. So that's one area that I'm not very comfortable in, uh, and I wouldn't necessarily be super interested in pushing that uh, type of service to someone. Um, the Beyond that, like I said, a lot of it's just the business setup. Uh, you're looking at, uh, I think it's about two months, two to three months just to do the, the uh, formation documents for the business. Another uh, few months just to you know get things through uh, the regulators or you know, the agencies there in uh, Brazil. I mean, in total, you know, it can take like I said, 12 to 18 months uh, to have a business there. So 
if you're going to make the investment and in starting in a business in Brazil, it's a long-term investment. Like, you know, you're thinking beyond this year, you're thinking beyond right now. It's, I know the Brazilian market's going to continue to grow. I know that I need my products to be there in Brazil and I'm going to make this investment now knowing that I'm not going to see the payoff in it right now. I might see it in the future. Uh, it looks like Christine has a follow-up to that, Kels. Okay. Uh, about how much does it cost to get started in Brazil and Mexico? In uh, in Mexico, from my own experience, uh, it's cost about uh, $3,000 to set up a business, uh, mainly because of lawyer fees and notary fees and you know translating documents. Uh, the other thing you need to consider is that you're going to need notarized documents from the U.S., uh, and apostille documents from the U.S. sent to some of these countries to, to do the business formation and get things approved. Um, so that's another another cost you have. In Brazil, uh, I don't remember the most recent quote I saw. Uh, I know it's a couple thousand dollars as well. I think it's probably about $5,000 uh, from what I remember to get a business set up there. So it is a, a pretty steep investment compared to, you know, maybe $1,000 or less to spin up an LLC in the U.S., what about uh, tax issues? Yes, taxes. Uh, so that's another big point. Um, so in Mexico specifically, we have uh, IVA, which is value-add tax. And uh, a little bit different uh, to how sales tax is handled in the U.S., for example, uh, value-add tax is included in the price. And this is one mistake that a lot of sellers make uh, when they come to Mexico is that they just take their Amazon listing price in the US and just switch it over to peso in Mexico. And they're like, oh, I'm good. Nope, 16% of that sales price is actually going to taxes right there. So uh, you gotta make sure that you put that markup on your price point and Amazon won't do that for you automatically. So you need to go through there and do that. Um, apart from that, you have, uh, depending whether you have a person here in Mexico selling the product for you, or you have a business here in Mexico selling the product for you, you have uh, what's called ISR, uh, and ISR can vary uh, from one to, I think it's one to three percent if you are a business. And if you're a person, it's about eight to 10 percent. Um, the reason why Mexico does it this way is, uh, you know, a business is just more trustworthy. They're required to pay their taxes when they actually do their filings versus a person. They don't trust as much. They need to pay their taxes uh, sooner uh, and then they can claim money back in the filings later. Uh, another thing for Mexico, if you don't have a tax ID here and you start selling, so for example, um, let's say you did uh, FBM from the U.S. to Mexico, um, dealing with the importation yourself, uh, Amazon in Mexico will hold 20% of your sales price as uh, income tax because you aren't registered in Mexico. So having the registration there is important, or if not, you need to make sure you're marking your price up again. So we're marking it up 16% plus 20% for the sales tax. So uh, that's a thing to consider. Brazil, there's also a very high tax burden, uh, mainly when it comes to imports. So uh, U.S. products, or sorry, products that were coming into Brazil with a value over 50 U.S. dollars uh, have an automatic 50% tax on them, um, which is very substantial. And then there's a lot of taxes beyond that at the local levels based on uh, the state that you're in, based on the municipality that you're in, uh, and, a lot, and based on what the products are. So these are all different taxes you might uh, face. The total tax burden uh, for bringing a product into Brazil can be up to 96% of the cost of the good. So it's substantial. Uh, so again, consumers in Brazil are also accustomed to higher prices because of that, um, but it also exists at the local level. So 
local uh, manufacturers, local producers have about a 60% tax burden on the products that they produce in the country. So no matter what, the consumer is used to paying for more and they ha already have that preference for a foreign brand, uh, probably more so than a lot of other countries in the world. Uh, so it's not necessarily something to be worried about in the tax burden in Brazil, because at the end of the day, the consumer is paying that. Uh, it's just that you got to make sure that you're marketing your products to the right, right price points to cover, uh, to, you know, to guarantee your margin, make sure you're not losing money there. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay. All right. Very good. Okay, Kels. All right. Next question. Uh, can you explain the process of using Mercado Libre uh, compared to Amazon? And this is from Chuck. Yeah. So uh, I think the easiest explanation of this is uh, when we think of selling on Amazon in the US or in any marketplace, uh, the product itself or the ASIN itself is what Amazon is considering within search results. So, you know, the reviews that product has, the sales history that that product has, um, the, the length of time that that product has, the conversion rate that that product has, all of that's going into the ranking factors within Amazon. Mercado Libre is actually completely different. Instead of considering the individual products, they actually consider the seller. So if we consider, uh, if we were to use an analogy to Amazon, it would be like, the number of seller feedbacks you have and the number of uh, good uh, customer experiences that consumers have had with you as a seller on Mercado Libre is actually gonna improve your ranking better than how the products sell themselves. So uh, it's completely opposite uh, from what we're used to on the Amazon platform. And I think that's one of the biggest uh, challenges that people coming into to Mercado Libre for the first time uh, struggle with is, you know, I'm so used to pushing my product. I want my product to stand out, I want my product to stand out. Well, Mercado Libre is all about, you know, you as the seller standing out, you having, you know, great reputation, great customer experience, great, you know, seller feedback in a way. Uh, and that's actually going to make your products more visible on the platform. Hey. Okay, great. Uh, from Chad, uh, my current product is measured in ounces. Should I change to the metric system? So uh, it depends. So I'm guessing if you're measuring in ounces, it's uh, either a supplement or it's a food product. Uh, so the biggest thing you're going to deal with there is uh, making sure that the label requirements uh, match the Kofi Priest requirements. So first you're going to need to get Kofi Priest approval. Uh, you're going to need to get your labels approved to make sure that they uh, they are correct uh, for the for the Mexican marketplace or, or for the Brazilian marketplace, whichever one. Uh, you'll be selling in and on the labels themselves, you can put the metric adjustments uh, for the Imperial system. So you don't need to relabel uh, re the entire product. You can have, you know, the differences between ounces or, or, or uh, uh, milliliters, uh, for example, on that label that you're going to put on the product. Uh, you don't need to redo the entire packaging for the product itself. Okay, great. So just a couple more questions. Um, from Claudia, would it be better to sell things that are new to the locals in these countries or products that the locals are familiar with? For instance, should I sell a tortilla maker in Mexico or a panini maker? Uh, I would rec that's actually a good, good question. Uh, in that instance, I would recommend a uh, panini maker. Um, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of, this is like one of the cultural things that we're talking about. I mean, products that are, uh, more that consumers here are more accustomed to. They have their local stores. They have their little local markets. I mean, there's street markets like every other day here uh, in Mexico where people are buying the stuff or uh, they're going, you know, pretty much direct to the source. Uh, like for example, I go to uh, just, you know, this isn't related to a physical product, but I go to uh, the, the food distribution market and I buy my 
fruits, vegetables direct from the source. So it, literally I'm paying less than I would be paying in a, in a supermarket. Um, and people in Mexico are more accustomed to that. So I think it's actually better to sell products that they don't have as easily or that it's harder for them to find here uh, because it's something that they don't have another source to go to. Um, you know, another thing I mentioned before was like the, the preference for uh, foreign goods. So Mexico has about 57% of its e-commerce sales are cross-border, meaning that about 57% of the purchases of e-commerce goods are they're buying in the U.S. and then having it imported into Mexico. So there's a big preference for foreign goods, foreign brands, and I think that you should use to your advantage and not use products that consumers are necessarily familiar with here in Mexico or you know, in Brazil. Yeah, I, I think that's important too. Uh, I know with the soap, because it was an American-made soap, yep. uh, especially the Hawaiian scents, Japanese love them. Yep. Japanese now, if it was just soap, it would. Eh, it was just soap. It wouldn't have sold as well, and uh, the amount that we could sell it for was way higher. Uh, like here, ten bucks in Japan, twenty-four to thirty-six dollars for a bar. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good example. Another good example with Japan is actually, uh, and this was uh, this was actually a Harvard uh, Harvard case study, uh, is pets uh, pet food. American pet food brands are extremely in high demand in Japan, so consumers are willing to pay a lot more uh, mm -hmm. in Japan for for American pet food. And I think that same uh, arbitrage opportunity exists in Mexico and Brazil if you have a you know a well known brand uh, you know internationally or at least in the U.S. Uh, you know, that's American made that that's calling out those features that are going to make it more attractive to the end consumer. Uh, I think that's one to your advantage as a foreign seller in some of these marketplaces. All right, next. Okay. A couple more questions. Uh, Claudia unrelated question is working from home happening a lot in Mexico and Brazil since COVID happened. Uh, yes and no. I mean, like, for example, uh, we, I can give you my own experience with this. Uh, so February, 2020, we signed a uh, 20 person office here in Mexico and uh, you know, March hit and then that office sat vacant for 11 months. So um, initially a lot of people were working from home. Uh, now things are starting to go back to the office. Uh, it's kind of a mix. Like I, you know, we don't require our team to come to the office anymore. A lot of them do like working remotely uh, and our team is you know more spread out in Mexico now. Um, so yeah, I would say that uh, there's a mix. There's definitely more people going back to office now. Uh, it really depends on the company. A lot of US companies, a lot of foreign companies that are down here in Mexico really want their workers to be uh, you know, on site uh, where a lot of tech companies and things like here in Guadalajara, there's a big, uh, big presence of foreign tech companies. A lot of them allow their workers to work more remotely. So uh, really depends on the industry, depends on the company. Um, but it's kind of, it's probably similar to the US where we see a mix of people going into the office and a mix of people working from home now. Okay, awesome. All right, from Chuck, how difficult is it to get into Mercado uh, Libre to sell? Uh, it's not that difficult, actually. Uh, we actually have a partnership with Mercado Libre where we can help people get into uh, the, the platform uh, pretty quickly. Uh, there's two different options, uh, similar to the US has NARF, uh, for Amazon, uh, Mercado Libre has global selling for Mercado Libre, where you can fulfill products from uh, their warehouse in Miami uh, to Latin America. Um, so that's one option you can do it. And if you're interested in that, I have, we have all the connections to, to help you get that set up. 
Um, if you're if you just plan on selling products yourself on Mercado Libre, it's, it's not that hard to set up uh, yourself as a foreign brand. It's just that the global selling makes it a lot easier for people that don't want to invest the time and the money into learning how to do all the setup. Okay, awesome. So I think that's it for questions. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Mike. Uh, Norm. Okay, so why don't we give it one last chance to enter uh, the Wheel of Kelsey today with hashtag Wheel of Kelsey, hashtag Mexico. And uh, just before we do that, just to give people time to uh, enter, uh, let's go to our last uh, shout out. A big thank you to our sponsor, Startup Club the largest club on Clubhouse with over 790,000 members and growing. They're one of the world's largest communities supporting the startup ecosystem from founders to those wishing to work for a startup and everything in between. You can find them at www.startup.club for blogs, recordings, and a calendar of upcoming shows and on the Clubhouse app. Just search Startup Club for daily shows 24-7. You can also now listen to their show, the Serial Entrepreneur Club podcast, on Apple and Spotify, too. Stop by to connect, learn, and grow together. Okay. Why don't we head right over? Oh, we got Claudia in. I don't know if you got yep. that, Kelsey. Now got we're going to head over to Wheel of Kelsey. All right, the Wheel of Kelsey, here we go. It's time for the Wheel of Kelsey. All right, thank you again for everyone who entered today's Wheel of Kelsey. Let me just make sure we, we got everyone. Okay, here we'll shuffle it up and give it a spin. And uh, we do this every single podcast, so uh, come back on Friday if you're not today's winner. And it looks like the winner is Simon. So, Simon, please email me, k at lunchwithnorm.com, and uh, we'll get you your consultation. Congratulations. All right. And uh, awesome. Okay. Well, Mike, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Norm and Kelsey. I appreciate it. Uh, it was really fun talking to you, and uh, yeah, hopefully I can be back here again sometime with some more uh, Latin American insights. Definitely. We got to talk outside of the show as well. Lots going on there. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. All, All right. right. And, well, yep. and Mike, uh, how do we get a hold of you if you're, if uh, we've got sellers interested in expanding uh, yeah. into Latin America, where can they go? Yeah. The, uh, the best way to do it is uh, reach out to me directly, Mike at amzadvisors.com. Uh, or you can go through our website, amzadvisors.com, and you, know, you can set up a call with myself or one of our team members there. Perfect. All right. Perfect. All right, sir. Well, we'll see you later. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you, gentlemen. You All as right. Well. Okay, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's show about not going and sourcing in Mexico, but actually going and selling in uh, Latin America. So that's a, a little change, a little change up, right, Kels? That's right. That's right. Yeah, so thank you everyone for joining today's episode. Again, you can come back Friday to enter um, our next giveaway. And uh, that's Friday's episode is, is one I'm uh, pretty excited for. That I'm curious myself about, but it's uh, Paul Barron is on. He's going to be talking about insert marketing, um, how to use your inserts, how to set that up, and what you should have or not have um, following terms of service. And it's uh, going to be a good episode. Uh, you can 
RSVP for it on the YouTube channel already. We have a link there. Um, just search Norman Farrar or Lunch with Norm and uh, find the YouTube account and you'll be able to find the episode. And uh, yeah, uh, we have our webinar too Thursday. That's tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern time with Vansley. Lots if you missed on. it. Yeah, we're going to be selling or talking about how to sell fifty to two hundred thousand dollars of pre-orders before spending one dollar on inventory, and this is using uh, Vance's uh, crowdfunding technique. And uh, yeah, it's a free training. Um, all you have to do is sign up uh, using the Google Sheet, and uh, we'll send you the, the link uh, when that happens. And uh, it's going to be a great up or great training. We want to do this more and more. If you want to make sure you miss or you don't miss any of these uh, webinars or updates from the Lunch with Norm podcast, I definitely recommend joining the Facebook group. That's Lunch with Norm, Amazon FBA, and e-commerce collective. That way, that's where we post all the information. um, And you can sign up for our email newsletter as well to get all those updates too. And uh, I think that's it. Um, Again, if you're interested in Mike's services, you can check out amzadvisors.com or contact him, uh, Mike, at amzadvisors.com. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. All right. So join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for being part of the community. We could not do this without you. And enjoy the rest of your day. Lunch with the lunch with the lunch with